Welcome to the Littlestown Chapel Podcast. Make sure to check us out on the web at littlestownchapel.org. Now, we hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Joshua Stratton. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been studying the Christmas story and that first Christmas, and uh, it's been truly a blessing. And today, we are going to continue in that by looking at the uh, shepherds, the lowly shepherds coming uh, to celebrate the birth of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Son of God, and really looking at it from the angle that they are, uh, a, a, the society there, a, a lowly people, uh, really the nobodies um, in their society. And uh, so we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Chapter 2 started in verse 8. It's on page 857 if you're using one of the Bibles here at church. 857. And Luke's, Luke's recording reads like this. And in the same region... There were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying, that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been, done, as it had been told to them. This, this is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for this story, Lord, and as we look into it and we, we see this, 
these, these lowly uh, uh, guys invited uh, to uh, the birth of your son, uh, and, and the Savior, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would give us a greater picture of the peace that you are offering to us. Father, I know that none of us are here by accident. And Lord, I pray that we would, Lord, respond to your word, Lord, that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit. I know that I am inadequate, Lord God, and so we're, we're just looking to you, Lord. And we thank you so much for the word of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. I can only imagine what they felt like, these lowly shepherds, when the angels appeared to them. Because in reality, they didn't belong in any kind of fanfare of a coming king or the birth of the Son of God. They would never see themselves that way. And have you ever felt like you didn't fit somewhere, that, that you didn't really belong somewhere? When I was in college, I was part of a club, Habitat for Humanity, and one of the guys in that club was nominated for the homecoming court. And he came to me when he uh, found out that he was uh, one of the runners up because all the people in the homecoming court got to be in a parade. And there was this big what to do parade in Bloomsburg and all the town came out and everything and the homecoming court was there. And, and so he comes to me and says, I'm going to be in this parade. I want to represent the club. And so I was thinking about using your truck to drive me down the parade route. And I said, uh, okay, sure, sounds great. And so we get everything together. I wash the truck up, and we go to the, the parade route that day. And uh, the coordinator puts us with the other people in the homecoming court. And it became, uh, I, I realized quickly that I did not belong uh, because uh, all the other people in the homecoming court, either they were much wealthier than me or they had friends who were wealthier than me because all the other vehicles, it uh, was uh, Corvette, Corvette, you know, Porsche, 1987 Ford Ranger. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, so we're kind of all just standing around, you know, and, and some of the other guys from the homecoming, uh, in the homecoming court come up and start rousing me, you know, like when, and they, they said to me and my friends, like, hey, when you said you were bringing a truck, I thought you would at least bring like an F-150 or something. <laughs> and I said, hey, this old truck, you know, this, this is a good truck. This is a six-cylinder, man. This isn't your, your grandfather's truck. In reality, it, it was my grandfather's truck. <laughs> And it did not look pretty. You know, this thing had some miles on it, and it was pretty old, you know, 15, 16 years old. And it had these really uh, questionable grandfather running boards on the bottom and this defect in the paint. And all the cars in the 80s, the defect in the paint, like, it just peeled off in different places and things like that. And, and so, but we're, you know, we're joking around and stuff for a little bit. And then the coordinator comes by and goes, okay, it's time to fire it up, everything, you know. And I jump in the truck, shut the door and turn the key. Nothing. <laughs> and I'm sitting there with my head down and I pray. I says, Lord, not now. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I turned the key again, and nothing. And, and you know, I, later I find out it's the alternator's bad in the thing. But at that moment, it had really come from joking around to embarrassment. And I really don't belong in this parade. <laughs> and so I get out of the truck, and, and people are, are honking at this point, you know, because it's time to go. And I'm like, to the Corvette, you got a jumper cable or anything? <laughs> and of course, they don't have anything like that because their cars work. So the parade, the coordinator just kind of sending everybody without me, you know, and everything like that. And man, we just felt so out of place, you know. Have you ever felt that way? You know, and this, I think this is just maybe a picture of what, what they felt when the angels came and gave them this assignment, and I have a hunch that some of the fanfare of the angels and everything was to convince them that God actually is for them. Because everything in the society would be pointing the other direction and the fact that God would come to them and invite them to this great birth of the Son of God, why in the world would he do that? Can you put yourself in their shoes for just two minutes with me and you're there on that night and the angel comes and lights up the sky and what's the first words he says to you do not fear do not fear and the, the angels that came to the the different characters in, in, in the, the Christmas story, in that first Christmas story, he often said to them, do not fear. And I think that that language came uh, uh, with a lot of meaning to it. And, and in some sense, when you, when you come before the glory of God and the glory of God is shining down on you, it, 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 everyone just trembles in fear. And the scripture is really clear. They were trembling. They, were, they had a, a fear of a great fear, you know, that, the Josh translation, they were freaking out. <laughs> and they're freaking out because when you're, when you're face to face with something so much greater than you, you look at yourself and you realize that you don't belong. And you see yourself for what you really are in comparison to what this messenger of God was bringing. And so they're, they're frightened. But that do not fear was also do not fear because what I'm about to ask you is really weird and totally contrary to the structures and the culture and the things that the world would possibly tell you. That you would be invited to the celebration and the birth of the King of Kings. You see, shepherds were not looked at in high esteem. You know, Jesus uses them as analogies in some ways, and we kind of celebrate this idea in the church because of that. But they were despised in the culture. They spent most of their days outside with the animals. They would miss a lot of the religious rules and, and, and celebrations and things like that because they had to be outside, and the culture looked down on them because they weren't a part of all that. They smelled bad. 
the law in that day would not even allow a shepherd to be testimony in court because they, they looked at him so badly that they could not be trusted. They were the lowest of the lows. And yet God sent this messenger to them and says, come, come. Look at what he says in verse, in verse 10. I bring you good news of great joy. And that joy there, that word in, 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 the, in the scriptures is, is really only used and mostly used to represent salvation, tying it to salvation. Great joy, great joy of salvation that will be for everyone, all the people, for you. Because today, a child is born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Fear not. It's good news I bring to you. How many times have you been afraid of the movement of God? Many of us need to hear this today because the angel's saying this. He's declaring out loud that God is moving. God is doing something great. God is coming for you, and I don't want you to be afraid of it. I need you to step into it. Some of us need to hear this today because we're afraid of the movements of God. We're afraid to step out and try something new. We're afraid to give ourselves to this new season of life that God is calling us to. Maybe God's calling you to a new ministry. Maybe God's calling you to a new direction for your family. Maybe God's calling you to a specific uh, uh, obedience and a trust of him. It's time to lay down the substance abuse. It's time to, to change the job because you know it's not the right thing. We trip over this so much sometimes. We never need to fear the movement of God. He can be trusted. He is trustworthy. He is for you, not against you. I've been ministering to a guy a lot recently over the last uh, six months or so. And in our meetings, I'm constantly saying to him, you don't need to be afraid. You can trust God and obey him. You see, he's convinced that God doesn't want him. He's convinced that he's a nobody that God doesn't want. And because he grew up in the church, but he left the church. And he's he really been living for himself, and he's gotten himself into some substance abuse, and he's in a different culture and, 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 and a bar hopper. And he doesn't see that God would be welcoming him, wel welcoming him. And in some ways, he's afraid to step into that because it's a place that he hasn't gone before. Would I be accepted? Would I miss out? What would life be like if these big changes happened? He's dissatisfied. He knows that where he's at is not good. But it's so hard 
because we're afraid sometimes. You never need to be afraid of the movement of God. You can always choose Him. You can step into it even when it doesn't make sense because God is trustworthy and what He says is good. Are you in a relationship that's not healthy? Are you spending time with somebody that you know you need to separate yourself from? You can trust God. He's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to not provide for you. You're struggling financially. You don't need to compromise on your ethics. You don't need to cheat to score the scores you need to get into college. You can trust God. His movements, his decrees, his desires for you are always better. Never be afraid to walk with him. He brings you good news. Salvation is for the nobodies. And this is key. Because the real truth of this story is not that the lowest of the low are the only ones that receive salvation in the culture. It's not that kings can't be saved. It's not that rich people can't know Jesus Christ. It's that if you really want salvation, you need to be saved. If oftentimes when we see ourselves up here, we don't see ourselves lowly. We don't see ourselves with great need. We don't see ourselves as broken. We don't see ourselves as, as, as sick with sin. But that's where we need to be. Only the guilty receive mercy. Only the broken and the lost need a savior. And so on that night, God reveals himself to the shepherd, the despised. And he says, I want you, I want you to be a part of this birthday party. I want you to be the first worshipers to come and see the Son of God. I want you to be the ones to be a part of that fanfare. A place where you never thought you would belong. Because it's time for the whole world to see me and come back to me and build a relationship with me. And so he gives them this assignment. He says, go into Bethlehem. Come out of the fields. Go into Bethlehem. I know you're, you, you didn't take a shower. Come into Bethlehem. And I want you to do this really weird thing. I want you to go around and look for a family and a newborn baby in a trough. Sounds ridiculous. And I imagine they thought it was a little bit ridiculous. And if there was any doubt in their heads, it would soon be washed away. Because after the, the decree, the night sky fills like the grand finale of a fireworks display. And these angels, the glory of heaven fills the sky. And they start to yell and declare glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased.
peace. Peace among those, not who are good, not who have done all the right things, not who are high in status, not who have followed all the rules. Peace to those on whom his favor would be. Peace to those who would accept the invitation. This, this news of a coming king, it did spread to other people. Kings and scribes and Pharisees heard about it. Matthew tells us they didn't go. In fact, they were afraid. Instead of celebrating the king of kings, they worried about keeping their ground and staying high in their own status and pride. But these shepherds, they heard it. And it says they believed it. And they, even though it was kind of a ridiculous ask, they responded to the angels that night. And they quickly, it says they went in haste. They went right away into the city. And I imagine the story doesn't have a ton of detail, but they didn't really know where this stable was. And so they, they probably asked a couple people, hey, have you seen a family kind of oddly you know, in a stable with a newborn in a trough? <laughs> and I imagine people are like, ah, uh, stupid shepherds. You guys spend way too much time in the fields. That is ridiculous, you know, too many kicks with the sheep. But they keep at their task. And imagine the validity. Imagine their emotions. Imagine their faith when they see this scene with this, this mom and a dad hovering over a trough, and there is this newborn baby wrapped in clothes, just like in cloths, just like the angel had told them. What a wild scene! And they exchange stories with each other. And they start celebrating. And they're first to come and worship. And they realize that the people who actually had the baby are not high in status like them. And they're talking about what God has done. And they're saying, like, there's this angel that came to me and Mary. And Joseph, like, well, this angel came to us. And, and imagine just, this, the, just the, the, the clarity that came to everybody. Like, this is real. This is really happening. All my doubts and everything. There's just no way that God is not moving that I can trust it. How beautiful that night was. How beautiful a celebration that it was. Because it's so crazy. Sometimes we look at the manger scene and we say, how quaint and how beautiful and everything. It was not, it probably smelled bad. And it wasn't like this beautiful wooden structure more than likely. It was like a cave, a dark place, and a baby laying in a trough. And wow, because of all this, wow, God is coming for me. Friends, we are all the nobodies. We are all the shepherds in great need of a savior. It's time to see ourselves where we're at in great need for forgiveness, in great need for a new, a new life, a life of peace. And Jesus Christ, he's, in, 
inviting you into the story. It's time to grab onto it. It's so cool to think about this. And Mary, she starts treasuring up all these things it says in the passage. And I imagine God was having her do that because, man, it's going to be a difficult road. It's not every day everybody's coming to her and say, the angel came to me too. And she treasures it all up and will remember it as the future goes. And the shepherds, they leave, and they're so pumped up. They're telling everybody, and everybody's like, what? This is crazy. So many gods are saying the same thing. Shepherds, I don't know if they're trustworthy, but okay. Man, what a night. But I wish, I wish there was so much more to the story. I wish that the Bible would track the shepherds for the next so many years. I wish they would have sent like a CNN crew or something and followed them and done this cool documentary. Because, because I imagine the weeks and months and years later were very difficult and disappointing to them. Because here's this angel, peace on earth, God is for you and he's coming for you. And they're probably thinking, peace, peace, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be in the culture, this little low guy anymore, I'm not going to be struggling to just make ends meet, maybe I'm going to be looked at as a little bit higher, maybe, maybe the Romans are going to get kicked out, we're not going to live under oppression anymore, who knows what they were thinking about, maybe they'd even have enough thought to say, maybe God's actually coming to forgive me of my sin and the weight of the law and the rules and regulations and all these things are going to be gone, I don't know, but what I do know is, Jesus doesn't do anything for 30 years. 30 years. They're sitting there and waiting. I imagine that some of these guys never see the crucifixion. Some of these guys didn't live to see the resurrection. What about the peace that you talked about? I think some of us feel the same way. Here you are, Pastor Josh, talking about peace. And it's like, have you heard anything on the news recently? Have you paid any attention to what's going on, even in the families in your own church? How can you talk about peace? The peace that the angel is declaring here is really in two parts. It's in two parts. The first one, peace on earth, I believe is actual peace on earth today. It begins today. And the shepherds just get to see this little bit of the plan unraveling and, and, and things challenging. Oh, if they could see some of the awesome things, right? If they were part of the hundreds and hundreds of people who saw Jesus Christ after the resurrection, and they see that this, this God is moving and he's doing something radical, that he's, he's actually conquered death. How crazy is that? And oh, if they would see, and I imagine most of them didn't see, that the, the church just explode after that. 
and the Holy Spirit coming on them and thousands of people trusting in Jesus Christ and miraculous signs and wonders that were spreading out all over the Middle East. And then if they would have gotten to see the salvation of Constantine and, 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 and the Christian influence cover over the Roman Empire, to see some of the influence that the kingdom of God has brought, transforming the cultures of the world and affecting people in the way they saw people, bringing up the equality of individuals. Oh, if they could have seen some of the freedoms that we have today and many of the cultures around the world have today from the equalities of slavery, uh, with slavery and the equality with women and, and some of the beautiful things that you have seen cultures change because families start trusting in Jesus Christ and it brings stability in the institution. And generation after generation after generation have been changed. Oh, if they could see the work of God's hand through his church today. How beautiful the evidence of God's peace. But friends, we're just scratching the surface And you know that. I know that. I turn on the news and I hear the the garbage that everybody's screaming about and impeachment and people not getting uh, getting along and people making bad decisions and the, the gunfire and the horrible things that happened in New Jersey this past week. The world is in chaos. We struggle with sin. There is not complete peace today. We're in a beautiful season of grace. This season of grace allows sin. If God would say, we're done, I'm done with it. And he would wipe sin off the table. We'd all be gone. But we're in a beautiful season where the invitation is out there to be a part of the kingdom of God. And he's inviting you right where you're at, just like the shepherds in the field. Way down here, he's saying, I'm taking you where you're at. Put your faith in me. Accept the invitation and experience my peace. And we come into a relationship with God. And that changes everything. That gives us peace with God. The greatest peace. The peace that the angel was declaring is that the earth would have peace with God. That's what Jesus brought when he was born. That's what Jesus brought. He bought it when he died on the cross and conquered sin and conquered death for all that were willing to put their faith in him when he rose from the grave providing the evidence peace with God a peace that God is no longer on us he's not looking at us in condemnation 
Think about it for a minute. And the stuff that you've read maybe in the Old Testament and, and seeing the wrath of God. You're, a couple of years ago, uh, one of the families at the church here lost um, uh, their, their, their dad. And um, I, um, they were on vacation when it happened. Uh, he was living with them. And they called me up to help with, the, with uh, the, the funeral home and stuff coming out to the house and dealing with everything. And when I got there, the police were there and everything. And, and we were waiting for a long time for the funeral home uh, to be there. And, um, of course, during that time, you know, when, when you're right in front of death, you start to think about God and the future. And this guy starts talking to me, this police officer starts talking to me about God and everything. He's like, you know, I want to believe in Christianity and everything, but I just, I've read the Old Testament, and that stuff is just bad bleeping crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I thought for a second, like, where do I go with this? <laughs> and what I told him was, you are right. The Old Testament is wild. And people are doing awful things. And you see this gross and difficult stuff happening horrible stuff you see the wrath of god and the unrest and the distance between god and man in horrible ways but that's what makes the new testament so beautiful and that's what makes the birth of jesus christ and the death and resurrection such good news because there is now peace with god and all that garbage, all the wrath in the Old Testament is done away with, and there's a new covenant. God pays for all that garbage. Sin really was that bad, and sin really needed to be taken care of, and God's wrath on us was really that big. But Jesus hung on the tree to pay for all of it, doing away with the old and bringing on the new. He completed it all. Imagine if those shepherds would have felt the weight of the law lifted off of them. What peace we experience in Jesus Christ. And someday, Jesus will come back and he will do away with sin and all there will be is the original design. You and me and our Savior forever. Talk about peace. Peace with God. That is a transformative peace. That is the peace that we're talking about. As those angels fill the night sky, that is what we're saying and even in the chaos, even in the darkness, even in all the hurts that we experience in this world, if we can focus on the beauty and the power of the good news of Jesus Christ, it will bring us peace. Peace. Years ago, um, in my late 20s, I had the first experience with somebody, a friend of mine, who was around the same age of me, pass away. He had a heart complication. He was only in his late 20s, and 
I, I remember driving to the funeral. A bunch of my friends got together. We went up to upstate New York. And I remember standing at the viewing in front of his body and just, it just, I just could not control it, just sobbing. And the widow comes up to me and she puts her arm around me with my friends at the coffin and she's crying too and she says, I just keep telling myself, this is not the end. I will see him again. And I can't explain this to you. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. And I just kept crying. But in that moment, there was something about that. And I knew that answer. But us just talking about it, I experienced this peace that surpassed the understanding of what was going on right then and right now. Why would God take him? Why would he be dead? Why would this be happening? I don't understand this. I heard so bad. I can't see past this. But when we see the reality of the future hope that we have in Christ, it changes everything. It changes your perspective and it gives you a peace that surpasses that understanding. How many of you here are Ravens fans? Ravens fans? I have to admit, they are arguably right now the greatest team in football. But did you know that there is another purple out there? There is. Yes, the Minnesota Vikings. And although it might be a smaller chance, there's a possibility that it could be an all-purple Super Bowl. There's a possibility. We have to go through some other teams. I know some of you are shaking your heads. But I just want to say that there's a possibility, and if that's true, I want to invite every single one of you to a Super Bowl party at Wally Gullickson's house. <laughs> because, because Wally is the only other Minnesota Vikings fan in South Central Pennsylvania, and my wife doesn't want that many people over at the house. Uh, no, just kidding. Don't show up at Wally's house. Linda doesn't want to make that much shrimp dip, okay? It's expensive. Um, no, I, I love uh, my Vikings. I try to catch every game. I'm sure if you love your team, you do too. But I don't know if you knew this, but I work on Sundays. So I don't get to see a lot of the games. And so what I've done is I've, I've, I've subscribed to this thing where I can watch it online after the fact, okay? But th this has a problem to it because some of my friends, I won't mention any names, who get the score when, I'm, when our team is playing their team, they will text me and say, oh, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen the game yet, you know? And so then I figure out who's won, you know. Of course, my daughter, she loves checking the score, and then she'll somehow, she'll drop these little hints on accident. And then I'll, I'm like, oh, man. And, of course, this happened a couple of weeks ago when we were playing the Broncos. And I find out we won the game. But I go ahead and watch the game, you know. And so I'm sitting there watching the game. And by halftime, we're down by, like, 20 points. And... and 
And, no, you know, people are saying all these things, like, oh, Vikings are falling apart and blah, 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 blah. People, I even, I, I don't know if they're just leaving for halftime or what, but it looked like people were actually leaving the stadium. Like, I'm done with everything. And I have to admit, if I had not seen or heard that we won the game, I would, my, my stomach would all be in knots and everything, and I would be yelling at the TV, the stupid Vikings, I can't take this anymore. But at halftime, I'm thinking like, this is gonna be some second half. <laughs> and so I stay engaged and I watch and come back. And would you, would you believe that we have one of the greatest comebacks in Vikings history? But what a different look a different perspective when I knew the outcome. I knew we were going to be victorious. And you see where I'm going with this. Guys, we win. We win. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and the King of Kings wins. And we conquer all this sin. And we conquer death itself. And we get what we were made for. And we experience a peace that would surpass all understanding. And that is the peace that we experience today, even in a world of chaos. And so the challenge this morning is, don't leave the game if I would have left the game, I would, have made, I would have missed the greatest comeback. Don't miss it. Some of you are in some really dark times. It's the holiday season. We think about people close to us. Some of us have lost people close to us. Some of us, our expectations of our family is not what it, it, what it is today. Some of us have real serious difficulties in our lives and we're in that dark place and we say there is no peace friends i have a suggestion to you focus on the victory of jesus christ there will come a day that is promised to you where there is no more sin no more pain no more hurt no more sorrow we win. And that is what the angel declares to you and to me. There's a passage in Philippians chapter 4. It is a life verse type passage. This is one we should learn and quote it to each other. In Philippians 4, 4, it tells us this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it again and again. Rejoice. The Lord is at hand. You don't need to be anxious about anything, it says in verse 6, but in everything with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What you're going through is not the end. The victory is in our relationship with Christ. Do not leave the stadium. 
Don't take your eyes off the game. The funny thing about that parade story is afterwards, the parade was almost completely out of the holding area. And this police officer comes to me and he's like, I got a jump pack. Let's see if we can get this thing running. And they fired that truck up. It didn't really sound like that. (laughs) (laughs) And we got plugged in to the coolest part of the parade. There was a giant, loud biker club right in front of us. And this fanfare of the color guard and and the the college band behind us. We were at the coolest spot, man, with fanfare and everything. We had buckets of candy we were throwing to everybody. We got to be a part of something that really we shouldn't have been there. And I say that because I don't want any of us to ever walk away thinking we don't belong. That's not the message of the gospel. It is really good news. It's not exclusive. You put your faith in Christ and he's yours. And you are his. He actually calls you his child. And man, does that bring a special peace. And so uh, I think this means for all of us, we've got to take the message of the gospel and put it everywhere that we are at. We've got to live it. We've got to display it. We've got to focus on it. And when we do, we experience that peace even in a world of chaos. And we show that peace and we become an agent of God bringing other people to the peace. When the gospel message is not, we like to box things up, you know. It feels good on a Sunday morning to hear the gospel, and then we box it up, and during the work week, we put it away in the closet. But we got to bring that sucker out, and it has to be part of our traditions and our habits, and it's got to be all over the place. Or we forget, because the world is dark, and it's hard, and it's broken, And we can lose sight of the victory that is ours. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I I pray, Lord, as we read your word this morning, I pray that it would impact our hearts, Lord, that your peace would surround us. Some of us are really struggling today. Some of us are doubting who you really are. We're not sure about even putting our faith in you. Lord, I pray that today that we would be moved to not be afraid anymore, that we would step out into you, Lord God, and trust you, Lord. Help us to put the message of the gospel in all the places, Lord, of our lives, that we'd be able to constantly see you. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the victory is his, and we are his. We say these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.